Lord Jesus, we love you, God, for your blessings and goodness, for your wonderful blessings upon us. Thank you, Lord, for the church. Thank you for your people. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your spirit. We thank you for our time together here today. Bless the word to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. We're happy for all of you that are here with us here today. We've got handouts for you, so our ushers are going to be handing out the handouts for our lesson for today. And we're going to be looking at chapter 10 of the book of Revelation. Uh, I think it was in last week's lesson or the week before, we had chapter 6 or something like that. It was actually lesson 6. This is lesson 7. I think last week we had chapter 6. It, meant, it was meant to be uh, lesson 6. And, uh, and we never caught the error there. And uh, so today we're going to go into uh, lesson 7. And the chapter that we're going to be dealing with is chapter 10 in your Bible. Before I get started and while you're getting the handouts of what I'm going to be uh, talking about here today, I just want to bring you up to speed here with time chart, with some charts on where we are and what we're looking at in the book of Revelation. This is a very interesting study, as you well know, studying the book of Revelation because it deals with the end time, things that are coming to pass, <clears throat> and nobody knows exactly when they will be, but we know it's that we're drawing close to that period of time. This is a timeline of uh, the beginning to the end of the church age period of, the, uh, of man's time on the earth. Let me get this. Uh, I'll hit the right one here in a minute. Focus automatic. Uh, I'm not getting any focus here, brother. This is an automatic focus, but I don't know why it's not focusing. Now let's see if it does. Okay, I messed it up, yeah. I messed it up and then I had to straighten it out. All right, this is the timeline. Look at it very closely here. Many of you have seen this chart before, and I won't spend much time on it. But this is the Old Testament here. This starts with Adam over here, far left-hand corner, and it gives you timelines. It goes to the flood, which appeared to 1,500 years. It goes over to Abraham here, which is about 2,000 years. 2,000 years before Abraham was Adam, and then 2,000 years after Abraham was Calvary. So this whole period of time is about 4,000 year period of time. Calvary here is where Jesus came and was rejected by Israel. And then Israel was, uh, was, was overrun and destroyed by the Romans and scattered throughout the world. And they are there to this day. Now, during the, after that happened, God established the church. This is where Acts uh, chapter 2 comes in, where we have been... We're instructed to repent of our sins, be baptized in Jesus' name, and be filled with the Spirit. And then God established the church age. This is the kingdom of God on earth. This is spoken of in the book of Daniel, that it would come to pass. And it has been for a period of 2,000 years. And Israel, in the meantime, is scattered throughout all the world. Now, the next major event to take place that is spiritual is the coming of the Lord. The Lord is coming back for his people. He'll come from the sky. Uh, he, he says, if you see him, 
They're out in the desert. Don't even go there. You see they're in the inner chamber. Don't even go there. He said, when he comes back, he will come back from the eastern sky. Praise the Lord. It'll just light up, and the Lord will come like the noonday sun, and he will come back. When he ascended into heaven on Mount of Olives, uh, he said, just as you see me go away, so shall I come again. So as you see him go up, he'll come back the way he went up. Uh, he won't be coming down the street with a bathrobe and flip-flops on, things like that, you know. So I'm just saying that there's deceivers of all types, you know. I went to Korea one time. There was a guy over there who claimed he was the Messiah and sun me on the moon, and he claimed he was Messiah. He had a big following of people. I had a bunch of American young people following him and everything. Guy's dead now, and uh, he's going on to meet his maker, you know. I'd hate to be in his shoes. But anyhow, getting back to the part here, there will be a rapture of the church when the Lord comes back, and we'll be caught away, and following that will be a tribulation period. Now, the tribulation period will be followed by, and that's a short period of time. We don't know how long that is. If we knew how long that was, we could maybe more know when the coming of the Lord is here in the rapture. But since we don't know how long this tribulation period is, but we guess, and this is, a, this is a, just a guess, uh, it can be anywhere from, from uh, 10 to 14 years or longer. We don't know how long it is. But at the end of that period of time, there's going to be Armageddon. And during this tribulation period is where, we're, where we are now and what we're studying. Following that would be Armageddon. Then following that would be a thousand years of peace on the earth. Then that would be Gog and Magog. We'll talk about all that later. There's going to be the white throne judgment in which God will judge every person that's ever lived on the face of the earth from the beginning of time to the end, except God's people, the church. And the Bible said we are judged daily, and we will sit with him on the seat of judgment. And then uh, from there, it says that there will be a new heaven, a new heaven up here. Uh, Jerusalem, New Jerusalem and a new earth and there will be the lake of fire and there's a hell over here too but hell will be cast into the lake of fire I won't go any further in all of this only to say that this is what we're looking at now this is what we have been looking at what the events that will happen after the rapture Jesus said when you see all these things come to pass the certain signs of the end time when you see these signs of the end time coming to pass then look up for your redemption draweth nigh because you've got to be ahead of what's going to take place. I remember as a boy hunting up in uh, northwest Florida, deer, hunting deer with the hunters up there. And uh, they would take us and give us a shotgun, set us on a road, a little old dirt road in the woods, a big, big wooded area. And it would be a current turn in the road. And they would say, now, when a deer crosses the road, shoot him. When you see him, shoot him. Okay. Now... We're going to turn the dogs loose. There are beagles and things like that, and they get to chasing these. The deer can outrun the dogs, but they just, out, they just stay ahead of them just a little bit, and the dogs usually wear out and tire out. But when the, deer are, when the dogs are running, they're barking. So as you hear the barking sound like this coming up, you know the deer is out ahead of him. You see what I'm saying? So when you hear the sound going from right, going to left like this, you know the deer is going from right to left. If you hear it the other way, you know it's the other way. You know, That's how you can tell by the dogs barking and how the sound of them are changing. And the deer is not with the dogs, he's ahead of the dogs. So you've got to be looking down the road when you hear the dogs barking over here, you've got to be looking over there 
because he's going to cross the road. Let's say that road is right here on his path, and you hear the dogs barking over here. That deer is back over here someplace, and he's going to be crossing the road. Same thing with the coming of the Lord. When you see all these things coming to pass, and look up for redemption door of nigh, because the, the coming of the Lord will be before all these events take place. Before the dogs get there, you know what I'm talking about. Everybody stay with me. Amen. Oh, amen. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to uh, show you this. This is, uh, uh, this is the, the book of Revelation here in general. And this is that, if I can use again, this is that period from here. Let me turn my pen around. This is that period from the rapture here over to the end. And that's what this tribulation period shows. And it's a chart that we put together like this. These are all our charts we put together so you can, you're welcome to use them any way you want to use them. Anyhow, this is the tribulation period. And this is starting with chapter 6, five, 4, 5, and 6. And all the events. Now, we've already talked about the things that happened in chapter 6, the four horses of the apocalypse. And we've talked about chapter 7. And we've talked about chapter 8. And we talked about how the, the one-third of the stars are affected, and the moon and so forth. One-third of the earth, one-third of the sea, and all those kind of things. We talked about that last week. And then we talked about chapter 9. And how in chapter 9, that one... Uh, one half of the world population will have been killed by the time you get through chapter 9. We talked about that last week. Uh, One-fourth is killed in chapter 6 over here of mankind. And then in here. Now, this is a, this is a big chart that you cannot see. This is the, it's broken down. So these are those sections here. So just, you know, what we're talking about. Pale horse represents death. One-fourth of the world population dies right here. And then over in chapter 9, which is over here, a great war is fought. One-third of mankind killed. So if one-fourth is killed here, there leaves three-quarters. And one-third of the three-quarters is, is, takes away a total half altogether. Combine these, you've got to have. So half the world population has been killed or died from something terrible. By the time you get to chapter, now we're going in now into chapter 10, and, uh, and this is the end of the mystery of God. We're going to talk to you about that. So I'm going to, if you would, with me, I'm going to put this up on the, on the screen up here. And this is the lesson that we have today. All, everybody have a lesson in their hand? All right, this is the lesson that we've got here. And we're looking at 10, 1, and 2. And I want you to turn with me in your Bible to Revelations chapter 10. Praise God. Well, the Lord is good, and thank God for the church. I uh, want to start reading with the very first verse. And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven. This is chapter 1, verse 10, verse 1, uh, chapter 10, verse 1. And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was upon his head, and his face was, as it were, the sun, and his feet as the pillars of fire. Now, he saw a throne, and he saw the glory and the fire, and he goes on to talk a little bit about it. While you're there, turn back over to Revelations chapter 4 and 2. This is just a few chapters back. We're in chapter uh, 10. Go back to chapter 4 and verse 2. And this is where... Uh, John first saw uh, 
somebody appear in this throne that he saw. Uh, chapter 4, verse 2. And immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. Verse 3. And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone, and there was a rainbow round about the throne. Notice here both in chapter 4 and also in chapter 10, it talks about the throne with a rainbow about it. Now, whenever you see this in the Bible, it's to let us know that God is reminding us he keeps his promise. He keeps his promise. The rainbow represents God keeping his promise. Uh, let me... Uh, let me make mention to you about something over here in Genesis. I'm going to Genesis chapter 9 for a moment. This is when the Lord had, was speaking to Noah and his family when they came out of the ark. I'm looking here at 9-11. I'm going to do this very quickly here. And he says, I will establish my covenant with you. Neither shall all flesh be cut off any more by water of a flood. Neither shall there be any more be a flood to destroy the earth. Verse 12, and God said this is the token of the covenant. Verse 13, I do set my bow in the cloud. That's the rainbow. I do set my bow in the cloud. That's my token. When you see that, it's to remind you that I keep my promises. Praise the Lord. Now down in verse 16, he repeats that. And the bow shall be in the cloud, and I will look upon it that I may remember the everlasting covenant, and so forth. Now, when you see this in these images and these visions that are happening, it's God saying, I want you to be reminded that I keep my promises. When I make a covenant or I make a promise, I never fail. It may go for a while, but I always keep my promises. And folks, sometimes God's got to give us a rainbow to remind us that he's given us a promise. Some of us have individual promises. We prayed and sought the Lord, and maybe from his word or from just from an experience in God in prayer. We have a promise from God. And sometimes it goes on and on. You think, I wonder if God will ever fulfill that promise. He will. Praise the Lord. With the rainbow, praise the Lord, is always in the cloud. That's, that's interesting, always in the clouds, never in the sunny day. You don't see a rainbow on a sunny day. You see it in the cloud. Praise the Lord. And uh, I can remember one time being up in Georgia, and I had a friend, I in, invited him to come up to come. I went up, and he came down from Michigan, and we spent a week, his, his family and our family spent a week together. And uh, we were at this little, little house we rented on a lake and everything, and he was down and had gone through a lot of trials and tests. So I wanted to encourage him, so I just invited him to come there and spend a week with us, and we'll just kick around together. Well, the first, second day we were there, we were sitting on the front porch, and uh, there had been a, some kind of a little rain way off in the distance, and a big rainbow appeared. You, you've seen them. I mean, it went from one side clear over to the other, just as bright and clear as it could possibly be. And then it was a double rainbow. You've seen those kind, double rainbows, where it's like there's two rainbows, and one's above the other, and the, the colors are reversed. And it's just amazing. And, and, and he, he looked at that rainbow, and I looked at the rainbow, and we both started thinking, God, you keep your promises. And he began to you know, worship God and pray. We just sat down on that porch and looked at that rainbow and prayed. Just worship God. Seeing that rainbow and knowing that God has promised that he'll take us through.
And sure enough, he went back, and, and it wasn't long till he got through his problem. And he later told me, he said, I remember that rainbow that God sort of let me know he wasn't going to fail me. Praise God. So God keeps his promises. Sister Myers and I were driving up Wickham. We were coming from, uh, from uh, the Interstate 95. We were going east, and we saw a big rainbow in the clouds. Now, this is the truth. I've never had this experience ever in my life except this one time. And as, as, as Wickham Road began to turn toward the south a little gradually, everything, the rainbow would stayed in the east, but the end of the rainbow became more and more out ahead, ahead of us. And I saw it way down the road where we were turning now going south and the end of the rainbow was down there. And I said, well, maybe there's a pot of gold down there somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> you know the story. The next thing I know, it was on top of the car ahead of me. He said, she said, look at the car ahead of us. It's got the rainbow come right on down on top of it. I said, yeah, you're right. And we went on a little further. And next thing I know, it was on the hood of our car. The rainbow, I actually saw the end of the rainbow on the hood of our car. And I thought, man, I've never been this close. I'll, I'll vouch for this, folks. No pot of rainbow, believe it. I'm no pot of gold at the end of it. I can vouch for that. Because if it would have been, it'd been sitting right on top of my hood of my car. Well, anyhow, just for, that's, I just gave you all that for free. That, that, that doesn't mean anything. But I do want to just tell you here that God has put the rainbow there to remind us that he never forgets and he won't ever forget. So when you feel discouraged and you feel down, Everything God is saying, I'm not going to forget. Now, the reason God showed that here is that he is reminding John, the revelator, that he has not forgotten Israel, that they have been scattered throughout the world. That's what that's coming to. This 10th chapter is a build up to the restoration of Israel. It's a build up to that. One other verse of scripture I want to give you here. This is over in Ezekiel chapter 1. This is, uh, this is what it says also about the rainbow. This is 126. And above the firmament that was over their heads, there was a likeness of a throne. Ezekiel now is describing a throne he saw in his day, which was uh, uh, about 700 years before the one in Revelation. He said there was over his head was a likeness of a throne. As the appearance of a sapphire stone and above the likeness of the throne was the likeness and the appearance of a man above upon it. I'm going to jump over very quickly. Uh, 27, he goes on to describe this throne. And then in verse 28, he says, As the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud in the day of rain, so was the appearance of the, right, the brightness round about. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. So I'm just pointing out to you again, God showed him the rainbow. Now, we were to follow through with Ezekiel here. The Lord tells him that you're going to have to preach to the children of Israel and you have to tell them that God is going to judge them for their unrighteousness and so forth. So it has to do with Israel. Now, I'm going to go back here to the book of uh, Revelation because I want to leave this subject about the rainbow and uh, move on a little bit further here. Look, look at chapter 10, verse 2. Chapter 10, verse 2. And uh, here's my pen. And uh, I want you to look at Revelation chapter 10, verse 3, rather. Look at chapter 3, verse. Look at 3, verse 3. 
And he cried with a loud voice when a lion roared, and when he had cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. Seven thunders. Wow. And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write, and I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered, and write them not. How many would like to know what the seven thunders uttered, and they were sealed up and never written? Yeah, I would too. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know of anybody that knows. It was sealed up. But the Lord told him to seal up the thunders, and they were to do it. And uh, I uh, want you to turn back. Again, I was just over in Ezekiel. And uh, over in Ezekiel, it mentions about that. Praise God. Let me go to something else here. I, I, uh, Daniel's where I want to go. I'm sorry, Daniel. Daniel chapter 4. Uh, Jack, Daniel chapter 12. Well, this is what happened with Daniel. Let me get to Daniel here. Okay. Daniel 12 and verse 4. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book even to the time of the end. Now, the angel Gabriel had been showing Daniel all kinds of things that was going to come to pass at the very end with the children of Israel. He told them all about all through the book of Daniel. He talks about Israel, talks about how they're going to be scattered throughout the world and so forth. And then he talks about how that at the end time, and he starts telling him that there's going to be a time of trouble and then there's going to be uh, a time of deliverance. And then he says, but thou, O Daniel, shut up the words, seal the book. This is verse 4, 12, 4, uh, to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, knowledge shall increase. And then he went on talking to Daniel about some of these things. And Daniel still was curious about what was that going to be at the very end. And he says here in verse 8, And I heard, but I understood not. Then said I, O my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? Verse 9, And he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed to the time of the end. Many shall be purified and made white and tried, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. Folks, let me say this. In these last days, God's people will understand why a lot of things are going on the way they are. Not everything, but we'll understand some things. The wicked will not understand. If you walk with God and you serve the Lord, God will open your mind and your heart and your understanding to a lot of things, why they're happening, what's going on, where we are, and so forth. But the wicked will not know those things and will not understand those things. I'm going to move on a little bit further here and and, uh, and finish up this one part here. But he says that the wise will understand. Look down at verse 13. But go thy way, this is the last verse of Daniel too. Go thy way till the end be, for thou shalt rest and stand in thy lot at the end of the days. So Daniel said was told that he had to seal up some things. And so John, likewise, there were some things that was uttered. And he said, seal them up. But it has to do with the restoration of Israel. When is God going to turn Israel back to him? And there's a lot that is stated and declared about that. One more little thing here. I want you to look at uh, back up to verse 2 here. And uh, this is where he's talking about the angel. 
and that was sitting on the throne, the rainbow and so forth. And he had in his hand a little book opened. He set his right hand upon the sea and his left foot upon the earth. Look at down in verse 8. Down in verse 8 with us. Uh, a little book here. This is C in your, in your lesson there. And the voice which I heard from heaven spake unto me again and said, Go and take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel which standeth upon the sea and upon the earth. <clears throat> and I went unto the angel and said unto him, Give me the little book. Now remember, a book is a scroll back in those days. It's not a book like we have a book. Books were scrolls. And so this is what it would have looked like if somebody was talking about a book. I was in Israel in Jerusalem, and I saw Isaiah's book, the book of Isaiah. And it was a scroll that was rolled up. And they had uh, Dead Sea Scrolls in a, in a museum there. And they had it wrapped around this whole area as big as this one section over in here. And it was all the way around the book of Isaiah. And it was, had been a long scroll rolled together. Isaiah's, I think, got 50, 66 chapters in it. Anyhow, it was wrapped around it with a scroll. You could walk around it, and, and if, you read, if, you could, if you knew Hebrew, you could read Hebrew. You could read it. Amen. I didn't know Hebrew, and I never will know it. But anyhow, it was interesting seeing that the book. And our guide says everything that you see written in Isaiah here is 99% accurate with your King James Version. That's what he said. He said that to us. So that's interesting. Anyhow, let me move on here. A book is a scroll. And anyhow, he said, go and take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel. This is verse 8 I'm reading here, the latter part of it. The hand of the angel which standeth upon the sea and upon the earth. Verse 9, and I went unto the angel and said unto him, give me the little book. And he said unto me, take it and eat it up. It shall be made thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. And verse 10 says, and I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it up and it was in my mouth sweet as honey and as soon as I had eaten it my belly was bitter and he said unto me thou must prophesy again before many people nations and tongues and kings these are Gentiles that he's talking about here nations tongues and kings they must prophesy against them now I want to show you another place here we were looking at Ezekiel a while ago and uh, we were looking at Ezekiel chapter 1. And Ezekiel chapter 2, the same experience happened to Ezekiel about a book. Look at this. Look at verse 9, 2, 9. I'm showing you here that what happened to John in the book of Revelation, okay, happened over here in chapter 2 of, and verse 9 with Ezekiel. And when I looked, behold, an hand was sent unto me, and lo, a roll of a book was therein. And he spread it before me, and it was written therein and without, and there was written therein lamentations and mournings and woe. These are judgments against Israel that was being given to him. Now, <clears throat> chapter 3, verse 1, Moreover, he said unto me, Son of man, eat that thou findest. Eat this roll, and go speak unto the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, he caused me to eat that roll, and he said unto me, Son of man, cause thy belly to eat, be filled with, with thy bowels, with this roll that I may give thee. Then did I eat it, and it was in my mouth as honey for sweetness. Same thing as you see over in John. 
And he said unto me, Son of man, go get thee into the house of Israel and speak with my, with my words unto them. For thou art not sent to a people of a strange speech and of a hard language, but to the house of Israel. Now, what is being given to Ezekiel is that God has given you the word and you must go forth now and speak the words to them. It's going to be hard. It's going to be tough. It's going to be negative, but they've got to hear it because I'm sending judgment upon Israel. And that's what God was saying. But I will also send restoration. I will also send restoration. When I send judgment and scatter Israel throughout all the world, I won't forget them. I'm not going to forget them. And even though they may think I've forgotten them, I have not forgotten them. That's what the rainbow thing is all about. But you've got to preach the word, even though you don't want to tell them what I'm going to have to do with judgment. Now, over here in the book of Revelation, it's the same thing they was telling John. Praise the Lord. There's some judgment that's coming on the Gentiles. Praise the Lord. And it's going to be bitter, but you're going to have to give it out. Praise the Lord. You have to tell it. And uh, be, you know, the, the hope of salvation, Jesus will save us. Uh, is, is the sweetness, but the judgments of God that will follow if we do not repent of our sins and be saved is going to be those things of bitterness. Uh, I won't go any further into that except that this is where the Lord says, I'm going to leave the Gentiles and turn back to Israel as a nation. Now, look at this verse. Look at verse 7 with me. We're in 10. I'm backing up to verse 7. Everybody's still with me here. Maybe this will clear up a little bit here when I get into the next part here. Let me talk to you about the mystery. Revelation 10, 7. If you haven't heard anything else or it doesn't fit together, stay with me on this one. Chapter 10, verse 7. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound... The mystery of God should be finished as he hath declared to his servants, the prophets. Praise the Lord. The mystery of God. Now, I'm going to talk to you about the mystery of God. What is the mystery? And he said the mystery of God is going to be finished. In other words, chapter 10 is a wrap-up of things. Wrap-up of things. Uh, the, uh, he actually sounds the trumpet in 1115, and the seventh angel sounded. And there was a great voice from heaven saying, The kingdom of this world or become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever, and so forth. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit about this uh, mystery of God. If you have your Bibles there, and I want you to go with me here to, first of all, to Ephesians. This is in your notes. Ephesians 3. I'm going to show you what the mystery is. Everybody ready for the mystery? All right. Look at Ephesians 3 and 3. This is Paul writing to the Ephesian church. The Ephesian church was a Gentile church, and he's writing to them. <clears throat> he says, how that by revelation he, God, made known unto me, that is Paul, the mystery as I wrote afore in few words. He mentions also in chapter 1, verse 9. I won't go back to that. Verse 4, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. What is the mystery of God? And this is what it is, verse 16, at 6. If you've got a pen, 
put a bracket around sticks or put a ring around it, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. In other words, what Jesus Christ brought to the Jews or intended to bring to the Jews, and they were, it was rejected by the Jews, the Lord passed along to the Gentiles. That's why he told his, told his disciples, just before he said into heaven, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. This is the gospel to the whole world. The Jews had rejected him. And they said, let his blood be upon us. What shall we do with the man Christ? He's crucifying, crucifying. Let his blood be upon us and upon our children. And when they did that, they brought judgment upon themselves that would cause them to be scattered throughout the world for up until this time today. That's why Jews are all over the world, everywhere. Because they've been scattered. They never have been brought back. I know Israel as a nation has, has established themselves as a nation over in Palestine at this point. But there's so much contention and friction. God has not yet stepped in there and given them total, total revision and, 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 uh, and return back to their land. Uh, this is what was going on here whenever the Lord spoke to him in Ephesians. He said, I'm going to give you this mystery. Look at verse 9. He said, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world have been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. This mystery was hid. The Lord never revealed to anybody that he would one day have the Jews and Gentiles together can be saved. Folks, that's what the church age is all about. If you're a Jew, you can be saved. If you're a Gentile, you can be saved. If you're European, you can be saved. If you're an African, you can be saved. If you're an Asian, you can be saved or, or Oriental. It doesn't matter with God. Whoever will believe, if we will believe, praise the Lord, and believing involves action. Believing always has an action with it. By faith, they marched around the walls of Jericho. You know, by faith, they walked out of Egypt. By faith, you leave the world. By faith, you repent of your sins. By faith, you... You say, I'm going to be baptized and have my sins washed away. By faith, you ask God to give you the Holy Ghost and you receive it. You understand what I'm saying? So it's, it's by faith that we're saved, not by the works of the law, the works of the law in the Old Testament. That's what Paul talks about throughout many of the gospel, the epistles, rather, is not to try to find Christ or live for Christ or live for God in the New Testament by the works of the law. It's not offering sacrifices at an altar it's, it's, not trying to, it's not trying to keep the seventh day only as the Sabbath day. And in fact, the first day of the week was the, was the day of rest to the early church. They, they, they made that to be the day of rest. The day, not the Sabbath so much as, uh, as the day of the Lord, they called it. So I'm just trying to sell you here today, and it's not the kind of food you eat. It's a matter of this kind of food. The Bible says that it's sanctified by the word of God. That's why we pray. We pray, we, we pray and thank God for the food. We also pray and ask God to sanctify it. So if you've got a strip of bacon on your plate, and it's pork, you know. In the Old Testament, Jews, they don't eat pork. But you're going to eat pork. You say, God, sanctify the food. And when you pray and you pray and you say, God, sanctify the food, that pork is sanctified, you know. Or you can eat lobster. You can eat shrimp, you know. The Jews don't eat all of it. They don't eat that unless it's got scales and I won't go any further, but you know what I'm talking about. 
So I, I'm just, just trying to say here, it's not in the food we eat. It's not in the works of the law, but it's in our faith in Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul was bringing out here. Praise God. So if we'll obey the word of the Lord, walk with God and keep him. And this is what the mystery was all about. Now, let me go a little bit further here with the thing about the mystery here. Uh, if I can also, I'll refer to another scripture here uh, found in uh, the end of Ephesians. And this is the last chapter in Ephesians. This is chapter 6 of Ephesians. Did I go solid? You're okay. All right. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. The mystery of the gospel is all about the Gentiles and Jews being saved together. Now stay with me here. I have a reason for telling you all of this. I feel myself cutting out here. All right. Are we okay? All right. Sister Bazin, let me know if, I, if, if my sound goes out. All right. Thank you. And uh, he talks about these things. Now, let me read something to you here over in Romans chapter, 20, uh, chapter 11. Romans eleven twenty-five. Look at this. This is Paul talking. For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery. He's talking about the mystery now, the gospel of the mystery of Christ that's been hid in times of old. Lest you should be, be uh, you, should, you should be wise in your own conceits. That blindness in part has happened to Israel until the, time, the fullness of the Gentiles become in. The fullness of the Gentiles is going to be wrapped up. And the, the Gentile, this is our dispensation. This is the time of the Gentiles. Gentiles going to be saved now. This is they, folks, this is the day of the Lord. This is the day of salvation. That's why you want to pray for your loved ones. You want to pray for your relatives. You want to pray for your children. You want to pray for your people you know. You want to pray for your neighbors. And ask them to come to church. And ask them to pray with you. Ask them if you, you can teach them a home Bible study. Help them to be saved because this is the day of salvation. It's not for another time. It's to us Gentile, this is our time. Praise God. And when we do get saved, we don't just sit back and say, I'm saved. But we start thanking God, praising the Lord, glorifying God and worshiping God and walking with God and keeping his commandments and serving God with all of our hearts. Now, uh, he also says the same thing over in the book of uh, in Luke, Luke 21. And they, this is when he's talking about the judgments of God against Israel when they were taken over by the Romans. Verse 20, this is Jesus prophesying, 2120 of Luke, 2120. When you shall see Jerusalem come past with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. <clears throat> then let them which are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let them which are in the midst of it depart out, and let not them that are in the countries enter therein too. Verse 22, for these be the days of vengeance that all things which are written may be fulfilled. I'm jumping down to verse 20 just to save time here, talking about the Jews here. <clears throat> and they, the Jews, shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations, and they were. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles, and they were, it was, until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. The same thing that Romans chapter 11, verse 25 says, 
that the mystery will be until the times of the Gentile be fulfilled. So two places, Jesus spoke of it, Paul spoke of it. We are living in the times of the Gentiles, and this is our time to be saved. But it will not last forever. Everybody with me on that? So when he says here in chapter 10, I'm going back to Revelation 10, 7. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished. The mystery, that is, the Jews, Gentiles together can be saved as one body. <clears throat> the mystery of God should be finished as he hath declared unto his servants the prophets. And then it goes on to talk about uh, taking the book and swallowing it and so forth. And then finally, chapter 11, and I'm going to close here with just mentioning a thing or thing, one or two things to you. Verse chapter 11, and I'm going to go into this in detail next week. I have a great Bible lesson for you next Sunday morning. Chapter 11, verse 1, and there was given me a reed like unto a rod. And the angel stood rising, saying, this reed to measure the temple is also very like, like that in Ezekiel. I won't go there, no, but a rod that he's talking about, a reed, the length of it is not about, about nine and a half feet, about nine and a half feet, according to Ezekiel's descriptions of it. And I won't go any further into it, but about nine and a half feet. And this was what <clears throat> he was given a reed, like unto a rod. It was a measuring stick. And he says, arise and measure the temple of God. And the altar, this is all in a vision that he's having. And the altar and them that worship therein measured the temple and the altar and them that worship therein. But the court which is without the temple leave out and measure it not for it is given unto the Gentiles. So leave it out. Don't measure it because no more Gentiles are being saved here. So when you're at this point in the book of Revelation, no more Gentiles are saved. This is it. It's all over with. You're, you've come to this. Uh, you've come to this place in the. Well, let me. You've come to this place in this Revelation chart, right here. You come to this spot right here, and what we're going to be looking at is God turning back to the Gentiles. This semicircle here represents a seven-year period. It's very pronounced in the Bible. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit about that. I'm talking about the two prophets that will come back and turn the hearts of the Jews back to, to God. That's going to happen, folks. But it'll be during this tribulation period of time. And whenever it does, the gen no more Gentiles will be saved. It's, now is the day of salvation. And you say, why do you talk about then, Brother Myers? Because if we know what's coming then, we'll know what we need to do now. And today is the day of salvation. This is not a time to put off living for God. It's not a time to mess around, fool around with living for God. It's time, praise the Lord, to be saved, to get saved. This is the 11th hour. This is the 11th hour. Remember Jesus said that uh, the man went out the 11th hour and said, come work in my vineyard. Even if you just work one hour, I'll pay you. And so God wants to save in these days and hours in which he's living. Aren't you glad you know God? Aren't you glad you're saved? And God has allowed you and I to know the truth. And those, praise the Lord, of this world do not know the truth and have not this truth. Praise the Lord. Let's stand together and let's thank him and let's worship him. And let's say, God, we thank you for your wonderful word. Thank you for truth. We thank you for salvation. And we thank you for the book of Revelation. Amen. Jesus, we praise you with all of our heart. 
We love you, Lord. Thank you for these services that we're having. Thank you for our time together. Thank you for the privilege to worship together, Lord. Bless our people, Lord. Bless those that cannot even be here today. God, we ask you, Jesus, to be with us in all things. Bless those that are seeing us on the Internet. We praise and worship you in Jesus' name. Amen.